Welcome to Antimatter Pod, a heavily misandrist Star Trek podcast where we discuss fashion, feminism, subtext, and subspaced. Hosted by Annika and Liz. Today we're discussing the fourth episode of Star Trek Picard, Absolute Candor. A troll on Twitter said that I had a heavily misandrist Star Trek podcast, and who would know better than a troll? Really? So I'm so proud. Just. Just, you know, he took real offence at my having opinions on whether a showrunner should respond to dumb fan questions. Ooh. He shouldn't. He shouldn't. No. Especially no. when they're silly. Right. Like, so, to give context, Michael Chabon released a little video on Twitter where he answered a lot of fan questions about the first few episodes of Picard, and these were not the sorts of questions I have, which are obviously sensible and should be answered. These were like, why are people smoking? And how come people are swearing? And a lot of it was just straight up characterization stuff, which should be completely obvious if you're paying attention. And uh, so yeah, I had a little Twitter thread about how this is a very silly thing to do. And when showrunners pay too much attention to the loud parts of fandom, they often end up overcompensating to accommodate those parts, which are all too often the gross, bigoted, man-baby sections of fandom. And that's how you get Star Wars, The Rise of Skywalker, or Season 2 of Discovery. Uh, anyway, this gentleman who spends a lot of time on Twitter arguing with people who like The Last Jedi took offence at my position, and uh, I am deeply entertained and will be forever. I'm so proud. <laughs> Heavily misandrist. It's the heavily that really makes it. Yeah, yeah, like an anvil. <laughs> Not just a little bit. Yeah, heavily. heavily. <laughs> and it's funny because I do feel like I'm going to get into some heavy misandry this episode. I know. Get ready. <laughs> Stay tuned, kids. <laughs> uh, I'm going to be blunt. I didn't really care for a lot of things in Absolute Candor. We have a list. We we really do. But first I want to talk about Una McCormack's Picard novel, The Last Best Hope, which came out this week and I was reading it as I, you know, I put it down to watch Absolute Candor and it covered so much of the same ground but with so much more context and nuance and thought put into the implications of the Romulan evacuation and the cultural stuff and how do we work with a totalitarian government to save their people without being complicit in the crimes they commit against their own people. It was really very good and I loved it a lot, except for one little <laughs> subplot. Yeah, I have not finished the book, so I don't really, I don't, can't really say much about it, but I don't like that subplot. Yeah. I think I'm just not going to read the rest of it. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, I liked sort of, I think I liked where it went. Skip ahead if you don't want to be spo so, uh, spoiled. And I will put a time code in the show notes for where you should resume. But basically against my express wishes. And once again, CBS has ignored my instructions. We learned that Agnes <laughs> was in a romantic relationship with Bruce Maddox. And it started like... He meets her, she's his grad student, and then they hook up when she when he is her doctoral advisor. <laughs> and no. Right, like Just no. it's it's not egregious in the way that a high school teacher and a student is egregious and criminal. It's just like universities have codes of conduct to deal with this sort of thing for a reason. And much is made, we only see this from Maddox's point of view, and much is made of the fact that he really does believe that his genius uh, <coughs> exempts him from the rules and expectations applied to everyone else. Being in his head made my skin crawl, basically, and I have to congratulate Una McCormack for writing that so well. I just, I just kept looking at Agnes and going, honey, you can do so much better than this tedious little man. And yeah, it's disappointing as a storyline. I did not want them to go there with her character. And I, I, yeah. I'm concerned about 
when we meet up with Bruce Maddox is where I'm at because I've already seen enough comments about it not making sense that Agnes is so good at her job and knows so much about androids. Well, she's a lady. I know lady <laughs> brains don't hold that sort of scientific information very and well. I've already seen one comment that this book explains that because of this relationship. And I just don't want any of that in the show. It's bad enough it's in the book. Yeah, I think she did a really good job of sort of deconstructing that sort of personality from the inside out, but I'm not sure that's going to be evident to everyone. I don't know, maybe that's not what she intended either. I have no idea. I don't know the lady. I'd love to be my friend, Una. I love you. Uh, <laughs> in a cool way, not a creepy way. Uh, and then we come back to my heavy misandry, and of course some men are going to think, oh, this young woman cannot possibly be a genius right. and hugely intelligent and hugely brilliant and expert in her field. And I guess, you know, they said this about Tilly, they said this about Michael, and I'm sure back in the 90s they were saying it about Dax and right. Balana and all of that. Like, just and throw up! <laughs> Yeah, and it's the same as you said earlier, it's the it's the rise of Skywalker because it's that same she can't just be good at this on her own. She has to there has to be a man involved in the story that explains why she's good at it, why she's smart enough for this. And, you know, Ray can't just be a girl from nowhere who's just good with the force, she has to be related to Emperor Palpatine. It's like, right, no, right. no, she didn't. That's not true. <laughs> if and we find out that Agnes is a Palpatine, I... <laughs> Everyone's a Palpatine. <laughs> Except Dodge and Soji, they're daters. <laughs> they're Soong-type androids. I'm sure Maddox is involved in their story too. <sighs> anyway... <laughs> So yeah, great book, totally enjoyed it. And it depicted things that we see hinted at in this episode, like the settling of the Romulan refugees on the planet Vashti, which is revealed to be a Federation colony that actively welcomes these people and was really delighted to have these, these newcomers in their community. When the Federation pulls out of the rescue effort, all of the support that was going to maintaining this balance and building this new community was withdrawn mm -hmm. and that's how it ends up as Mose Eisley 15 and years later. So that's why Picard is so confused about yeah. what's happened to it. Yeah, he Vashti, Vashti was literally in the news as this is the best mm -hmm. case scenario. Yeah, I think some of his behaviour would be, it, it makes a fraction more sense, it, though no, it's no less insufferable if, <laughs> if you know that. And so... He's just so out of touch with reality, but also with everything, like the rest yeah. of the galaxy. Everywhere outside of his little vineyard bubble, apparently, he, he's, he's really has been the hermit of Labar, I guess. Yeah, and I guess I get that, but I'm sick of the fact that he never seems to learn. He's continually called out for his ego and his self-absorption. And yet he keeps doing the same thing. Right. Number one on my list. Why hasn't Picard learned this lesson yet? It's the fourth episode. <laughs> it's not like 20 years ago you were doing one thing and now you've forgotten. It's yesterday this happened and the day before that this happened. Maybe, yes. maybe it's not them. Maybe it's you. Yes, exactly. And, and, you know, there is some level of complication you know if the federation pulls out that's an institutional failure what does what good can an individual do in that case and maybe he should have retired to Vashti instead of Labar and put his considerable skills and connections and experience to work building that community himself doing something to keep it working or maybe that would have made no difference at all and you know whatever I I'm not he doesn't have to, he should apologize for his mistakes 20 years ago, but he doesn't have to like, it doesn't have to be a big thing. But for the people he's mistreating right now today, 
when they're in front of him. That's my issue. Like, how he treated Elnor when Elnor was a little kid is something that he should apologize for and feel badly about. But how he treats Elnor when he's an adult in front of him, just wanting him to say, you matter to me, and he's incapable of saying it, that's the problem. Yeah, and I really don't understand what they're going for. Some episodes seem to be deconstructing the myth of the great man and saying, you know, one one individual cannot single-handedly solve this. And then you have other episodes where it's like, well, Picard single-handedly ruined everything. And I think really there's a, there's a point in between, but uh, it's complicated. And I do not believe that the TV writers are doing a good job with yeah. this story. I just can't tell what I'm supposed to be feeling because what I'm feeling is I just really don't like Picard <laughs> and... If that's the point, if if we are deconstructing the great man and the point is that we see Picard's flaws on display constantly and consistently so that he can, I guess, become a great man again, I don't know. That's one thing, but if they're just sort of walking the line between... Yes, he has flaws, but he's also still a great man. I'm not on board that train. Or he has flaws and he feels really bad about them, but he's not doing anything to improve himself. Right. I don't care if he's, if he's acknowledged his flaws, if he doesn't learn from them. That's what you need to do. Yeah, yeah. So I just, this episode just hit me in so many wrong places and... It's really racist. Oh my god. Yeah, so I cannot believe they brought another black man who, I guess he gets a name, so that's one improvement. Yeah. But he dies horribly and graphically. And with a couple of exceptions, every single significant death in this series so far has been a person of colour. Daj's boyfriend, Daj herself, even in the flashback to the Mars uprising, the first person we di- who dies is a black person. And the really graphic deaths are going to black men. And I, I don't understand. And uh, I, yeah. I, I, it's another one of those, are they just, like I called it colorblind casting because mm. They're just sort of like, oh, well, we have to have diversity, so we're going to cast whoever is the best fit for the role. And it just happens to be that all of the dead people are cast black. Like, that's... Someone should notice. That's not colorblind. That's that's a problem. I'm not saying make him white. I'm just like, something should be better here. There's someone should step in and say, what, what is the message we're actually providing in this? Exactly. And it reminds me a lot of the Russell T Davies era of Doctor Who, which had very much the same problem. And yeah, yeah, that, that was, oh my gosh, that was 15 years ago. I am so old, but yeah, do better. It's 2020. Like stop killing so many black people stop killing disproportionate amounts of black people in your white man show and you you could we can have a little queer character as a treat and have you considered (laughs) that women are people and that the singular they pronoun is a thing that exists yeah that's the other it's like they is right there we had this argument in Discord, so to give context, we're talking about the final scene where they're watching this amazing pilot and they're using the he pronoun. And I was not spoiled for the fact that it was Jerry Ryan. I'm so happy she's so. back. But I really noticed that because in the book that I'm literally writing for children, there is a whole thing where everyone's looking for the pilot of a crashed spaceship and they're, they're referring to that pilot as he. And... That's a not very subtle way of signalling that this is a very sexist time and place. And then to have that just used unthinkingly in this contemporary science fiction media. And yeah, okay, so they were trying to hide 
the fact that it was seven, then maybe don't put Jerry Ryan's name in the credits. Like, it was very obvious. Yeah. It was very obvious that it was seven. Even if her name wasn't in the credits, we know that seven's coming. I would think it was seven. <laughs> like, there's 30 seconds left in the episode. Yeah. We know what's going to happen. Right. So it was just silliness on their part to try to hide the fact that it's seven when that's another thing that just doesn't matter. This, mm. this surprise is, is not the point. The point is not surprise at seven. Like that's the point for Picard because he's yeah. in the show. But for the audience, we, we're, I didn't need that surprise. <laughs> right. And it's also not the surprise that the pilot is a woman. Like it's not 1950. Women can be pilots now. <laughs> And it just didn't, it, like, they, they is a thing, just use it. Just use it, why? So, yeah, a lot of, lot of problems with this episode, and it sort of hit a bum note for me in the very first scene when Picard <laughs> beams down to Vashti, dressed like he's chosen his outfit from the September issue of Colonizer Monthly. Seriously, I want to know what's, like, okay. I think about costuming a lot, everyone knows this, and he's all in a complete white suit in the mm -hmm. in the beginning and then when he comes back in the present time period he is all in black mm -hmm. and like okay I get it I get that that's a that's a clear indicator that he's in a different place that he was very hopeful and he was on the side of good and right and righteousness when he was in his white suit and now he's all in black because he's in the shadows and his armor has been dented and he's sad and he's also like dressed more closely to the actual warrior nuns because they're all dressed in black mm. too so like i see it from a costuming perspective but that hat put it over <laughs> the edge into something from like the african queen and i was like no <laughs> absolutely not he right he looks ridiculous <laughs> that that is a look it is a look from like movies that were made in the 70s and 80s about Brits who go to India. <laughs> like, mm. stop. Just stop. Don't do that. It looks anymore. like he's just dropped into Panama to show the natives a thing or two about how to die of malaria. <laughs> it's just. And then the. That everyone swarms to him and, and, and they're like, oh, Picard, Picard. And it's like. Like something and that of... group is mostly people of color, <laughs> or Romulans of color. Yeah. It was a yeah. It was just why. <laughs> I know that bald men should wear hats. Bald men are terribly at risk of skin cancer. But that particular choice of hat, and I think it is—I don't know men's hats, but I think it's a Panama hat. The costume design in this show for humans is really lazy. I just—I can't with that hat. Also, the, the planet is, I don't know if it's this, like they're, the trees behind the village in the planet the, with the red leaves are the same as Sarek's house. And oh. it bothered me a lot because I was like, that's where Sarek lives, but this isn't Vulcan. Maybe it's a Federation colony, so these plants are, were just transplanted from Vulcan. You know, someone wanted a little touch of logical home. Okay, I can believe that there are Vulcans that are involved in the Romulan plot. So, okay, but that's a, it was a pretty big forest, especially <laughs> if it's been abandoned by the Federation. I, I guess no one's no one's tending them, but because it, they're they're Vulcan trees, they do really well without tending. <laughs> I, I will accept that headcanon. They're just lost in logical meditation. It just stood mm. out to me because I liked the fact that they made Vulcan not as deserty as it has been in the past in no, the second no, season of Discovery. That was great, and but then if they're using the same stuff on a different planet it was weird mm. to me it was weird and like this this show was filmed in la so it's not as if they were at the same toronto location yeah they're just like oh we we already have these trees we'll just stick them in the back of them. i don't i don't know i don't know how effects work maybe it was saving them money or something yeah like how we used to see the same potted plants for jungle sets on deep space nine and and next gen 
So you're saying I should be happy with my pretend painted in Vulcan trees and, and be quiet about it. Okay, I, I will be quiet about it. I really like the design of this planet because there are so many insects and we so rarely see insects on alien planets because, mm. you know, it's CGI and it requires a bit of work and a bit of thought. And I thought that was a really cool detail. And since I'm dunking pretty hard on this episode so far, <laughs> I just want to just call that out as something I really, really liked. <laughs> Let's talk about something we liked, which is Elnor. My son. He's so precious. I do not fully understand why he changed his mind and decided to go with Picard, <laughs> but until told otherwise, I assume it's because he really wants to see a cat. Picard has promised him a cat. Promises are prisons, but Picard I, owes him a If cat. they had shown Elnor before he appeared to mm. save him, I would have assumed that Picard started that fight in order to force Elnor to join him, which I know sounds really manipulative, but like I said... <laughs> I'm not really on board with Picard right now, so I can imagine him being petty and manipulative. <laughs> and I have my the own theory as to Picard mo Picard's motivation, but I do agree that we needed to see something between Elnor saying he wouldn't come and Elnor showing up decapitation style. They showed so many shots of the of the crowd. Many shots of random Romulans, and so it would have been simple to like just stick Elnor in one of those shots, but he's not there. And I know this because I made over 1,400 screen caps of the episode, so I know for a fact that Elnor's not in that crowd scene. <laughs> I expected Picard, I also expected Elnor to be in that scene, in that crowd, and I expected Picard to give a speech that indicates his profound regret personally as well as as a member of the Federation. And I feel like he gave a speech, but uh, to be honest, I tuned out because it was a white man telling some people of colour how to feel and yeah. It was a speech about how he failed, but that's it. No lessons yeah. learned. No. Yeah. Just, I failed and I'm sorry. And it's like, that's step one. Good job. Gold star. What now are you move going on to, to step next? two. <laughs> There's more yeah. steps. And one man alone cannot fix the problems of a dysfunctional community, but it seems like Picard has the stature to do something if he doesn't get himself killed. I, don't, I, can't, I can't tell that either. It seems like the entire galaxy is against Picard. Like he showed up and everyone was angry and they mm. sent, they, they, they called in other angry Romulans. To, to come and get him. So if he's not popular with the Romulans, because I guess they blame him for the Federation fallout, even though it's pretty clear that he... I guess it would make more sense that they blame him for leaving instead of staying to fight. I, I, that's sort of what the senator said. Yeah, yeah. He could have done more for this world specifically, even if he couldn't save the Romulans. I don't know, this... I don't think that they're very clear about the story that they're telling, and so it's muddled. But I love Elnor, I think he is the most precious angel, and I love that he basically has my accent and has the demeanour and bearing of a slightly hungover barista who is very confused by everything but eager to give it a red-hot go. <laughs> I like that. I loved when Rios called Emmett. Is it Emmett? Mm. I think his, uh, yes. his emergency tactical hologram, I guess. And, and he just sort of did a double take of like, what is going on? What did I sign up for? <laughs> this is a ship of crazy people. I know, I know. And <laughs> Elnor thinks that he is the only sane person on this ship, when really he might be the biggest weirdo of them all. <laughs> right, because he's only lived in this this tiny community of assassin nuns who who speak all of their emotions okay so <laughs> the thing about the Kawat Malat and I really have to question the decision to name them after Australia's most notorious serial killer but anyway 
the thing is that they hate the Tal Shiar and the Tal Shiar hate them. And there's this bit in the novel where there's a really awkward dinner party where a Tal Shiar agent is hosted by the, Ka the Kawat Malat. And it's hilarious because awkward dinner parties are my jam. But I really, really wish that Picard had brought Laris and Shaban on this trip because one, he needs them, but two, their interactions as former agents of the Tal Shiar, who are also pretty into absolute candor, especially at Picard's expense. I just think they would be hilarious with Elnor. <laughs> yeah, I'm worried that Elnor needs needs someone who's more like him. <laughs> He's going to be yeah. very lonely on that ship. He needs a cat. He definitely needs a cat. And, that, and okay, I'm going to put this pitch right out there. I'm very happy for Patrick Stewart that he got his rescue dog into this show. Mm -hmm. There are a lot of rescue cats out there, and they deserve to be in the show too. And apparently the rescue bulldog who plays number one was not very good at the whole acting on set thing, whereas you get the right cat, it's just going to sleep and let people cuddle it. That's right. But that's basically a prop that breathes. Just saying. I think at this point I really do want just slice of life stuff on La Serena. Like, where do they eat? Where are the plants of Rios's that, that Agnes has watered? Where does Rios keep his books? Does anyone else have access to the holodeck? Or is this Picard's office only? I, I don't... I'm kind of annoyed that they gave him a reproduction of his study when we could be seeing more of the ship and more of these weirdos hanging out. Agree, agree. Also, on the subject of Rios's book, mm -hmm. he's in. He's still reading like chapter maybe two of that book. Maybe he's like, a slow reader. Does he just read the same book over and over again? Is that or, the only book he has? Is his thing about? lounging sexily with a philosophical book in his hand waiting for a pretty girl to ask him about it <laughs> so that he can prove how broody he is and then and that's super romantic i mean i'm not saying that's not but <laughs> <laughs> is that is that where we're going with this it's working for agnes it's working for agnes it's probably working for the rest of us mm. and on the subject of rios just as an aside I was okay mm. with his cigar last episode because it was like, okay, whatever, quirky character thing showing who he is. But he is literally has it the entire time. Like, he always has a cigar. I know. And that's gross. I can't. I want him to get rid of it now. It was, like, really short and weird and... He still had it mm. in his mouth while they're like fighting Romulans. I was just oh, like, no, spit out your cigar and pay attention. <laughs> it's funny you say that because I was weirdly, I won't say annoyed, but put off by his F bomb. I fucking hate that hospitality hosp um, hologram because that didn't feel necessary, except to tell us that he fucking hates the hospitality hologram, which of course he would because it's the most precious angel of all of his holograms. But, Couldn't he just yeah. deactivate it? Like, I... Rios and his holograms are strange. I, I, I want more information. I like the idea that it's like a, a downloadable patch you can get for your ship. I know, like I know. And, like, we all have, or certainly I have, the emoji you get with Apple that, you know, you can set it to look like you. So what if... It, like people just exactly. set their thing to look like them. Makes perfect sense. And I, I still like that about him. And I guess I can sort of accept that he dislikes the hospitality hologram, but still keeps him around because he wants to be able to yell about it, maybe? That, and I think that it's nice to be able to outsource the looking after of passengers. <laughs> like, he doesn't seem to be a particularly hospitable guy himself. Very true. So... Yeah, yeah. Uh, watching it again, I realised that it was Shaban who sent the holoscan of the study and apparently at no one's request. He right. just thought it would be a nice thing to do to Picard. Almost makes me wonder, like, if you wrote a message, for example, how did Girati get a Romulan disruptor and stuck it in a drawer and did the holoscan and then sent it, if Picard opened the drawer on his holographic study, would that message be there? Interesting. I like the way you're thinking. That was just a little thought that I had at 3am between wondering why I was awake. Also, are there phasers hidden all over the place? 
<laughs> and if he takes the safeties off, will they work? Thoughts, thoughts. Mm. So yeah, I was kind of annoyed at the study thing because I want more sets. I want more of La Serena and Picard. You know, he had a whole conversation with Laris about how that place never felt like home. But maybe Picard knows that this is an Easter egg. In like, this isn't just his space. It's his space. Mm, interesting. Mm. Interesting. Mm. All right. So, how many people are going to be cosplaying the Kawat the Kawat Malat? I can see it. I can see it. It's. Uh, I mean, I. Some people are really getting starting to get really angry about the whole Elf Romulan comparison. I I kind of love that they leaned into it, and that yeah. place one hundred percent looked like where. Elrond and Arwen live. Right. And, like, and it, it was, was great. It was a lovely contrast to the whole um, fake most icely Nimbus 3 thing happening elsewhere on that planet. Right. So, yeah, I thought it was cool. I loved the concept. I agree with Agnes that the way of ab- absolute candor probably gets annoying after a while. I like the head nun. Yeah, yeah, Zani. I like her too, and I'm so glad that there is someone in the universe who doesn't hate Picard's guts. Yeah, she was actually pleased to see him, and mm. but at the same time, because of her absolute candor, candor, absolutely willing to say, this is where you screwed up. This is what you yeah, did wrong. Yeah. And this is how you can fix it. Take that kid! <laughs> It's an important middle ground between someone who is absolutely struck with hero worship like Agnes and someone who is reasonably very angry with him like Rafi. And Zani occupies that middle ground very nicely. She is the friend who loves you and will call you out on your bullshit and tell you to take her son. We all need one. Hmm. Yes. I have to say, I really hope someone is writing the, the AU fic where Picard adopts Elnor himself and brings him home to France and is like, okay, ex Talshiar friends, this is a child, we're going to raise him. Yes. I will... And Go ahead. Comedy ensues. <laughs> it was a little strange to me that they, like, quoted Encounter at Farpoint <laughs> to Elnor. <laughs> like, that was a little weird. Well, obviously Zani is a very big Next Gen fan. <laughs> I was just like, what was the conversation that she had with him where this came out? So I was just curious. It was a little bit strange. And poor, like, Elnor, when he said, I really thought you liked me. And I just wanted I to know. give him a big, huge hug and say, everyone likes you. Picard is, he, it's, you know, it's one of those things where you say, I wasn't ready to be a father, but I'm very ready to be a grandfather. Yes. Like, he's good at that. He's good at showing up, giving a gift, you know, playing, and then disappearing and saying, okay, take care of that kid. This is why I want that AU fic, because I know that there are ethical problems with adopting a child on behalf of a third party, but I just think Grandad Picard with Elnor in France would have been great. Grandad's super cute, and he has plenty of space. Lars and, and a Javon dog are would be great. They could take care of him. They're taking care of Picard. I mean, Shivan <laughs> totally packed him lunch last week, so right, they they're just ready. Pack their son off to school with his lunch, and then he comes home, and Lars helps him with his homework and teaches him how to kill people, and it would be nice. And Elnor could go to Starfleet if he wanted. I was or... going to say he would be the Romulan Wharf, and which would Wharf be his... would be his uncle, <gasps> like. Such a happy little AU over there. Mm-hmm. And everyone lives happily and no one dies and no one's at mad at the end. Anyway, <laughs> since that <laughs> didn't happen, I'm excited to see Elnor interact with other members of the crew because I think that his interactions with Picard are still going to be a little tense. And I was mm. super angry. Again, I'm, I'm like, I'm angry with Picard for when Elnor brought the bread as like an offering and he said no I was like oh my what is wrong with you like there's a scene in Indiana Jones the Temple of Doom (laughs) where Mm -hmm. where the natives like offer Willie Scott food and she says no and Indy's like 
they that's more food than they get to eat in a week and you're gonna eat it because you're not gonna be impolite on my watch and like that's problematic <laughs> that whole scene is bad mm-hmm. but um <laughs> this was the same kind of thing where like Eleanor brings something and it was clearly I'm offering to be a part of this conversation and to be involved in this discussion and Picard was like nah and then he just right. threw it down and walked out and I was super on Eleanor's side for that and then at the end when he dresses him down for killing someone in front of the rest of the crew like that's how they meet Elnor. that was just Agnes no Agnes is showing up everywhere well, but it's it's like a big open space, so... I know, I know. It's still not a great look. I just have some theories about Agnes and what she's up to. But I go, see. yeah, I agree. That was not a good look. It's like, I agree that he shouldn't have murdered that man, but Picard asked him to be his protector, to be his, like, assassin... That was his job. He was like, I know you're an assassin. You're the best there is. Come join my team. But don't kill anyone. And then yells at him for, for like, literally protecting and saving his life. Yeah. It was like, yeah. uh, I- uh, you, didn't, you didn't explain the rules. And yelling at him in this moment is bad. Bad look. Mm. I agree. I agree. I think Picard is not being a good space dad to Elnor and needs to do better. But uh, Agnes, I noticed, okay, in that scene with the confrontation with the Romulans, there are several reaction shots of a gray-haired, pointy-eared man who I think is actually Vulcan. And so my theory... He even, like, resembles (laughs) Sarek. Yeah, yeah. He has the classic Vulcan haircut, which... He might be Romulan, you know. We have pretty diverse Ro- Romulans right now, but something about him, just he, his expressionless observation. So my theory is that between learning where they were going and popping, inviting herself basically into the meeting slash sarcasm se- session in Picard's study, Agnes was compelled to update O on their location and O rushed an agent into place. I can see that. I can see Mm. it. So the way Agnes sort of pops up everywhere, Mm. sure, she's bored and she's at loose ends and she really admires Picard and he's kind of maybe the only person on this ship with time for her. But I think O is manipulating her on a subconscious level. And the way that Picard, like when, when she comes in and he says, yes, yes, take a seat. It's the second time that Picard has prioritized her over the other two. (laughs) Well, I think it's just so nice to have someone who's not yelling at him. Yes. But I I feel like that's, it could be that that's another indication of Picard's flaws, that he trusts her so much and sees her as a kindred spirit. Mm. And... And we'll get end up getting burned because that uh, that seems to be the story that is is unfolding is Picard does one thing and it blows up in his face. And as Rafi says, you know, there's she hasn't run a security check on this random civilian who has just joined their mission. Right. That that line plus the secret meeting line. It's like these are sort of like little flags of they're using the dialogue to make us think that there's and it, it could be misdirection, but I still think. Something's going on. Like I said last year, and this blew up in my face with the discovery, but apparently I haven't learnt my lesson, the whole thing with Ash, Tyler, and Vogue means we never trust the writers. So, let's talk about Kylo Romulan. I just feel like we're in a real holding pattern with him, and the narrative is stalling so that Picard can get Catch there up. in time. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And it's really frustrating. Like... I don't li- don't mind him as a character, but I no longer find him interesting because he just keeps having the same sort of scene over and over again. But that's the story's fault, not the character. Oh yeah, but you know, to wit- at which point do we separate the character from the story? Like, I enjoyed his scene with Soji with the the sock skating and the Borg ritual. I thought that was very cute, and I think they're a lot more fun to watch when they're having fun and not being fraught. 
I just want to say that I was 100% correct about his name because he literally, like, misquotes Kylo Ren. Because <laughs> she says, she, was the, she saw me, she's the first person to ever see me mm. for who I am, even if she didn't like me. And he's like, I see you. <laughs> I was like, oh, okay, we're going there. And then he literally did a Han Solo slide. <laughs> Like, I know that, is it Risky Business did it first, but it was in space, Han Solo, and Ben Solo does it in The Last Jedi, and in, like, the same dark corridor that is, like, half technological and he's all in black. Like, I'm sorry. (laughs) That was Kylo Romulan. So, yeah, he's very well-named, and... If he dies, I will not forgive them. <laughs> but <laughs> I continue to be very concerned about my Romulans and Agnes. Like, the whole plot in the book made me more worried about Agnes. Really? Yes. <laughs> Just because they seem to be setting her up for a certain... I don't know. It just seems like there's there's red flags there. And that that she's going to be controversial. And the way to deal with a controversial character is to give her a big sacrificial death. Or to yeet her into the 33rd century. Yes. <laughs> Apparently. And I will... I accept that Nerissa is most likely to die. Like, I'm, I'm... I will take... Of the three, I will accept her dying. But don't take... A second Kylo from me, and don't <laughs> and don't take Agnes, please. I think it would be interesting to have a reformed. What are they called? The something something fash. You know, the, the secret secret. The, yeah, yeah, the, the, the secret Vash. secret police. Yeah, I think you know we have so many reformed Tal Shiar agents at this point too, that it would be cool to add a reformed Shat Vash to the mix. Right, but. Yeah, I I just wish this plot would advance more. Like, Soji is exploring, I guess, her origins, though she doesn't realise it yet. And I just want the Romulans, the Romulan siblings to do something. Well... Even if that's Nerissa she, moving without Narek's approval. She gave him a deadline hmm. of a week, so maybe... So something will happen this week. Yeah, something will happen this week. We're, we're trying. I also have to say that that scene was their scene where she like jumps on his bed and bounces around. <laughs> what is going on? But they are great and I love them and they're amazing, but they're so Romy Lannister, I don't get it. Like, I really feel like Star Trek is playing with me at this point. I, yeah, it's so unlike anything that we've had before in yeah, Star Trek. It's it's exactly. And I think that it's supposed to be shown, like, we're supposed to understand that it's a toxic relationship. And I think that that is yeah. very obvious. But there is this weird tension that she seems like she is honestly jealous of Soji. And she hates androids. So she's really upset about it. And... That is just strange. Yeah, I hope we learn more about their background and their upbringing and who their parents are and how they grew up. And, oh, gosh, I really hope their parents don't don't turn out to be Laris and Shaban because I really think that that would be silly. But <laughs> I've seen I've seen someone saying that they're Sela's kids. Uh, they're I mean, very maybe. dark-haired for being Sela's kids. But... Yeah, but it was always kind of weird that Sela was blonde, though apparently we have blonde Romulans now. Anyway, I, I I want to know more about their background because I think that would be interesting and it would give more context to their scenes, but mostly I think this this subplot needs to advance. Yes. I mean, we're, we're, this was still, I was expecting... I wasn't expecting the plot to move forward now that we were done with the exposition, but I guess I was. And we <laughs> this, is, this is just part four of exposition. We... we and to be fair, we had to pick up our last main cast member. So, okay. Yeah. But it was just, it was a little bit like, I mean, next week is the mid-season. 
right? So yeah, <laughs> that I I was expecting more to happen in the show. I guess maybe I was wrong. Maybe that's why they already approved it for a second season before the first season premiered because they knew that actually nothing happens in this season. Which, the whole thing is set up. And that's not terrible, but I just wasn't expecting Yeah, I love set up, but sooner or later you do need to do something with it. But back to my Kyla Romulan, sorry. Yes. I, I, I have a problem. And, it, and the more that everyone else ignores him and doesn't like him the more I love him so I have a double problem but I really really liked that when Nerissa left he was basically self-injuring with Mm. the wall like I I just he is definitely being coded as someone who wants out and is a victim of an abusive system (laughs) and that's my favorite so (laughs) I no, want him to I hang agree. out with Seven. She'll set him right. You know, I can see that because, like, she was so good with the Borg kids and, you know, what is a Tal Shiar or a Jacques Vash but a different kind of drone? I mean, if the closest relationship that you're allowed to have is with your sister, then it is basically the same idea. It's the same, yeah. we are one and you can't have any relationships outside of our one and your individual needs and desires don't matter. Yeah, it's really, like, the recovery from that must be really, really hard. Where is my Laris and Shabab novel? Una, get on that. I don't want it to be about Soji. I don't want Soji to be the one to help him through it. No, because she's got her own stuff right. going on. She has, she has to have her own identity crisis. But Seven would be great at it. So if that doesn't happen, which to be honest, I mean, there's like a maybe 5% chance. (laughs) That will be the story that I'm writing. Well, you can write that fic and I'm sure it will be great. And, you know, Seven can help both of them. She's got two hands and she's very good at multitasking. And, you know, once everything is sorted out and the crisis is over, she can take one of them back to Vulcan and Tuvok can roll his eyes internally and, (laughs) you know offer his expertise. I kind of wish Tuvok was in this series, but I I just love Tuvok. I love Tuvok too. And they need, like, we really need someone who is grounded in reality. (laughs) That's what's missing from this series. Right. All these people, all these eccentric weirdos need a grown-up, basically. And it's definitely not Picard. He is the worst of the lot. (laughs) Yes. I just... Again, with the, just tell them I'm here. <laughs> He's just so oblivious. That, that's the thing. Like, I get that it's been a long time and the situation there was very different when he left, but surely he's read the news? Apparently not. Rios and, and Rafi had to tell him everything that had happened in this sector of space in the past 15 years. And he just assumed that the people he knew and cared about were okay. Right. So we're back to, we're back to dunking on Picard, basically. I just, and I just do not understand if we are supposed to feel this way or if the writers are just doing a bad job. Yeah. I just, I can't tell. Like maybe at the end of this season, I will be able to, I'll either be rewarded with a really great conclusion to this arc where Picard becomes a better person <laughs> I'm, that sounds horrible I, I don't want it to be about Picard becoming a better person right because it feels like the writers had to make him a worse person to start with and they didn't have to I don't get it but I'm just gonna I'm just gonna hang on I'm hanging on there are parts of this episode I liked I I'm really into this series like I'm interested in the questions that it is asking, even if they are unintentional. Yeah. I don't yeah, really and... care about, like, any of the things that I think I'm supposed to care about, like finding Bruce Maddox and learning the secret of the Jat Vash and why they hate androids and why they went against their own culture's rescue. 
or if they did or like who did that and like there are about there are a lot of questions that I'm not interested in answering but I assume that that's what the show is actually about apparently <laughs> but there are a lot of questions that I am interested in answering like how did these people how are these people trained and and what what are they interested in and how like the, I don't know does Picard what does Picard want his legacy to be? I think that's a really key question. And like he needs to sit down and consider that and then take the steps that will get him there. And I, again, I wish that the writers would answer this question. And by the writers, you know, this is the weakest episode so far and it's also the only one not co- like written by Michael Chabon without a co-writer. And I really just think he is not a very good television writer. And that just, that doesn't mean he's not a good writer. That just means he's not, this isn't a skill that he has complete control over. No, and, you know, he should not have been made a showrunner with this level of experience. Uh, So my last question here was, do we want to talk about ship design? I feel like we've seen too little of La Serenia to say anything about it. I like it, but, you know, I like how open... How open the bridge is and that it doesn't conform to the stereotypical captain's chair in the middle sort of configuration. But at the same time, I want to see more of it so I can put that little bridge into context. I mean, the interior reminds me of the Rossi on The Expanse. Yeah, which, you know, modern Trek takes a lot from The Expanse. And the exterior, when they were fighting the Romulan bird of prey, they were very similar to me. Yeah. In fact, so. I realized that I'm having trouble identifying the Rossi because, uh, the Rossi, La Serena, <laughs> because she doesn't look like your standard Federation ship. And so it's a visual language that I need to learn. She's very red. Yeah. So you can just follow that. But so it was interesting to me and it was interesting that they brought in the, and they was hilarious how they kept saying an ancient bird of prey. It didn't really look that ancient. No. And like I, it was weird to me that they, were, they took the time to redesign the bird of prey that they were going to call ancient. Yeah. I, I didn't understand that choice. It's reminiscent of the original series Romulan ships, but not identical. Right. It's right. So it's it's similar, and I I like I get it. But what the only thing that I, that was stood out to me was that it looked like La Serena, or I guess that La Serena yeah. looked like it. And yeah. I don't think and that's also... necessarily intentional, but <laughs> it was interesting to me as someone who like pays zero attention to ships. I do not care about ship design at all, which is why I said no. I don't want to even talk about this, but. There was like this big battle on on screen and I was having trouble following it because there were, I think, like, were there four ships? Because it seemed like there was the Bird of Prey and there was La Serena and there was Seven's ship and then there, there seemed like to be there was another ship. Maybe it was the planetary defenses. They kept saying the planetary defenses, but I thought that was the planet shooting at them, not... Like, I don't know. But it seemed like there were more than one small ship and I was confused. I will say there are four ships. Uh, I did not (laughs) see a fourth ship. (laughs) Okay. So it was just the planet was shooting and Seven's ship was, I don't know. It was just, it was weird. Because Seven's ship was very different than the other two. It reminded me a lot of the Marquis ships. Yeah, I can see that. I mean, it reminded me of... It was it was shiny like a Naboo starfighter. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't really know who the the Fenris Rangers are yet, but if former Marquis who survived went on to become like freelance defenders of isolated and forgotten colonies, cool. I'd be down with that. I like it. Yeah, there was also a like- lot of exposition about like the bad guys and the gray guys in this place of which was. I felt like there was a lot, there was an information dump that... We didn't need. We didn't need, or unless it's going to come become important, but I feel like I'm going to forget that it happened. Like, I'm not, it was, t- it was, it was too much. Mm. That, that study scene was just like, 
exposition plus exposition plus exposition plus exposition snarky comment <laughs> it felt like the setting for a video game where picard is going to turn up and be given an important side quest exactly i you're absolutely right and i if what I'm saying is that before any of this information becomes important, I'm going to have to go back to that setting and <laughs> click on Rios and have him tell me it again. <laughs> because yes, it was just going in one ear and out the other. I paid attention. Uh, <laughs> you've got uh, various factions. We seem to have something called a Romulan rebirth movement, who I guess are Romulan ethno-nationalists. <laughs> And but they didn't say that. You made that up. Like, you decided no, that's no, what that I means. Had, well, I had to infer because the, the script certainly didn't tell us. And I think it makes sense. A certain I amount of sense that in the, the wake of a cataclysmic society-destroying disaster, you have a certain amount of nationalism growing up. But the, like, that was up. the Romulans already. That was their whole thing. I know, so I know. It's, not, it's not like it's new. No, but the Romulans only sign is new. I don't know. What? Okay, so this senator, what yes. what, ha- what happened to the Senate? If senators were saved, why is there not a government? But there is a See, government because they own the Borg Cube and are like exploiting it yeah. for money. So why was he not included in the government if he was already like... I have a lot of questions, and those are the questions that I'm more interested in, and I'm not going to get any answers. This is one of those things that's dealt with in the novel, which I think should have been made more overt in the TV series, you know, that, like, the Romulan leadership and the Senate were evacuating well before the, there was officially a threat, and sense. they just scattered across the galaxy, and some of them have power and some of them do not. Well, but that there doesn't so make much- sense. Like, it makes sense that they were evacuated first, but why weren't they evacuated to the same planet and set up the yeah. government? Like, if well, if I the assume because they all hate each other. If the Federation were like taking advantage of the sun going supernova to destroy the Romulan government, that's like worse than I thought it was. No, these guys are evacuating themselves, and I think the implication is that different factions went to different places, and so the whole system fell apart. But this is all implicit, and it's weird to me that there is so much exposition in this series and yet so many necessary things are left to supposition like you're right we don't know what the romulan rebirth movement is because it could be i mean just to play devil's advocate romulan Mm. rebirth could just sound like that like the vulcan rebirth in Mm. 2009 it's just you have to come home spock and have baby vulcans like that's that's what it, it means over there in star trek beyond so it's fair to think that the Romulans are sticking to themselves and, and, and maybe they have like uh, uh, some kind of forced, like they're forcing people to have babies instead of logically explaining that it's necessary. Mm. Yeah, yeah. But it, it just, it was very sort of offhand. That's a thing that's, that's a problem. And also there's these pirate Romulans and also there's these, rangers that we don't know anything about them and this like the whole place is unstable and and they can't control the chaos those are that's a lot that's a lot of stuff going on that feels like it's going to end up being important but the way it was presented it was just an info dump yeah yeah i i can see that and it reminded me of the episode where where you know ensign row where picard visits the bajoran refugee camp and how his behavior here is almost the polar opposite of that you know he goes in with row he's very respectful he is he's picard so he's a bit high-handed but he he lets row take the lead because he trusts her and in this place he's just like Oh, Romulan's only sign? Well, there's a space where I, a white man, am not welcome, so I'm going to stop that. Like, I think it's meant to come across as, like, a sit-in at a lunch counter, and it doesn't. (laughs) I almost, in our notes, wrote, Dear Picard, you're not Rosa Parks. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And especially because 
I generally rate Jonathan Frakes really highly as a director, but there is a scene in the background, like there is a background shot where you see that there is a no Romulan sign. And so I'm going, why doesn't Picard go for that? I think there is something to be made of the idea that he considers the Romulans his people and they do not feel the same way at all. And I think that's very interesting, but it's not coming across intentionally. I was just, the whole thing was very uncomfortable for me. Mm, I was just, that guy had every right to stand up to him and say, we didn't invite you here. Yeah. We're we're angry with you. You failed us. Yeah, and there are there are ways to deconstruct and and confront ethnic divisions and going after the marginalized people is not the not it. Yeah, so what it comes there's this I mean it's definitely in in the earlier episodes the federation looks down on the Romulan empire and that's true. That's always been true. Mm. But what I, you know, what I said where, like, they took advantage of the situation to get rid of them, why couldn't they take advantage of the situation to integrate them in some way? Or, like, it just seems like giving up on them because all of their, they couldn't use androids anymore and all their ships, the whole thing just seems like bad decision making. <laughs> that well, I think, was really yeah. not, and I guess that's the point. Like, I think that yes. is the point is that they were, it was all knee-jerk decisions and they weren't thinking about any ramifications and this is the ramifications, but the ramifications are going to be severe based on what's happening. Yeah. And one of the things that I really enjoyed about the novel was how it explored the politics and the motivations of the planets that were threatening to leave the Federation over this. And it's very much a Brexit narrative but it made sense and I really wish that it was conveyed on screen because I think the series really lacks something without that context. And I also, like, I get that comparison. I get the Brexit comparison, but the fact is that they're still painting the Romulans as bad. Yeah. Like, the only Romulans that we're supposed to really like are the ones that are Picard's friends. Yes. So... There's no honourable Romulan. The problem is that it's not... Like, it's not a good reflection of a refugee crisis creating authoritarian nationalism if you're you're painting the refugees as bad. Exactly. (laughs) And I think this is a well-intentioned series written by nice white men who have never really had to think much about their privilege and how that impacts the stories that they tell. And I think that's a real shame. So we should, we should probably stop talking. Oh, I was <laughs> going to say, Picard's decision to enter that Romulans only bar, I could almost justify it as for a moment he is that young man who got his heart stabbed out in a bar fight. 50, 60 years ago. That is almost the only way it can make sense to me. I like that. And And maybe because he does point out, he doesn't tell Rafi that he's dying, but he does say, you know, he acknowledges that Mm. he is in his twilight. Yes. And so I can see that, you know, that's when you get back to your roots and your youth. Yeah. And he also has nothing left to lose, really. Well, that's the thing. He has Soji to lose. He wants to save his friend's child. Which Rafi tries to tell him. Yeah, yeah. I think... I wonder if we're going to find out that his uh, mental disorder is more advanced. Yeah, maybe. Then... I don't know. I I really wish... I don't want to be spoon-fed, but I wish the show would give us a bit more. I also don't want it to be a mental disorder that is creating his flaws and problems yeah no that's too easy although i think something about the way dementia doesn't necessarily change you but it makes you more you and the filters that you've built up over your life are stripped away i mean i guess i should say if they do it well then it'll be a good story but if they use it as shorthand 
for Picard isn't acting like himself because of this, because of his mm. mental disorder, and because he's not acting like himself, things are going wrong. And therefore, yeah. the way to fix it is to be like Starfleet! I'm not here for that. And do the writers think Picard is behaving like himself? Like, I am beginning to wonder if Chabon can write Picard, the character. I, I can't, I, I think it is very clear that I cannot tell what is going on with Picard. No. All I know is I'm mad at him. <laughs> and, and, like, I feel bad that I'm angry with him and standing up for Kylo Romulan. <laughs> but well, I think that's where I'm at. Kylo Romulan is a newer character, and so we have fewer expectations. That's true. So let's wrap up, and next week we can reconvene, and hopefully there'll be some fun costume shenanigans, and it will all be a lot better. That's right. It definitely looks like, if nothing else, it's going to be a spectacular display for our eyes. Yes. <laughs> I am remembering how much as a kid I used to cringe at Dixon Hill episodes, and I'm feeling a little bit of that already. So <laughs> That's fair. But Seven gets to be Seven blasting through things, so that's something to look forward to. Maybe Elnor will get his cat. Maybe Elnor will get his cat. Elnor better get at least one and preferably two cats by the end of this season. That's all I have to say. You're on notice. You can't, you can't promise possibly two cats and not give us one. Elnor needs a cat. Soji needs a cat because, you know, it's her heritage. And yeah, that's all, that's all I want. I want lots of things, but mostly a cat. Cats. Where is my cat? Thank you for listening to Antimatterpod. You can find our show notes at antimatterpod.tumblr.com, including links to our social media and credits for our theme music. You can also follow us on Twitter at, at @antimatterpod. Sometimes we post cat pictures and questions for our audience. If you like us, leave a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you consume your podcasts. The more reviews, the easier it is for new listeners to find us. And join us next week for Episode 5 of Star Trek Picard, Stardust City Rag. Were we heavily misandrist enough? Uh, we could have been heavier, but you know, I think it was a start. <laughs>